Alright, this is Brandon Hayes with Anthony Dinar, and today we watched The Pit, a movie from 1981. And I've wanted to talk about this movie for a really long time, but it's been really difficult to get a hold of a copy until just recently. Like, this thing hit Blu-ray in October, but before that, all I had was this really shitty, pixelated video I ripped off of YouTube. Uh, anyway, our main character in this movie is named Jamie Benjamin, and he's this 12-year-old little creep who's really difficult to sympathize with. He has no friends, children hate him, adults think he's weird, but you can totally understand why he's so despised. He's socially inept, and he's a mental case. So what if he was your kid? What would you do? Put him down. <laughs> That's not a legal option. <laughs> he didn't put that stipulation on me before he asked the question. <laughs> well, what would you do legally? Well, I guess I'd have to give him up for adoption then. Oh, you would. Wow. I wouldn't keep this kid around. <laughs> make him make him like property of the state. <laughs> I'd throw him down the pit. Um, <laughs> So this movie opens up with Jamie being punished by his teacher for bringing pornography to class. Uh, it's actually a stolen library book called Creative Nude Photography, but he's punished all the same. It's art. It's not nudity. But he's also vandalized <laughs> the book by cutting out one of the nude images, and we soon find out what he's done with this image. It turns out Jamie's attracted to the local librarian, Miss Livingstone, and uh, she's maybe in her mid to late 30s. She's not attractive. I, well, I don't know. Like Maybe for a librarian. Yeah, she's super hot yeah. for a librarian. Uh, so Jamie took this image that he cut out of the book of this nude body, and then he pasted uh, that onto a piece of paper, and he pasted a picture of the librarian's face on top of the body, <laughs> and then he wrote the, the librarian's name on it, Miss Livingstone, and he sent this this crude paper to her anonymously, and then he watches her from afar, like, he's watching her read this thing like it's a love note. When she <laughs> opens it up, she's just, like, disgusted, and she rips it into pieces. <laughs> and uh, this rejection really seems to bother Jamie, but what did he expect to happen? Oh, I don't blame him. He's 12 years old. But did he expect her to be, like, to, to like, smile when she saw this? Or I don't know what he expected, because he is a little weird, but, like... I don't know. It's not too bad. Like he's so far, he's just a normal kid. Are you fucking serious? Like, okay, it's it's bizarre, but I mean, kids are stupid, right? I mean, what were you doing at twelve? I don't know. Nothing like that. I wasn't harassing older women. <laughs> well, like, yeah, he he certainly does have his like his type, if you oh, will. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but I mean, come on, like. He um he had an art uh, book. If you found an art magazine or something like that, and like naked chick or fucking like bra and panty catalog or something like that, you're not telling me you would have kept that. And no, I would have. I did. I actually told you that story once where I found like porn in the desert and I just kept it. And it wasn't even good porn. It was like porn printed on newspaper. Yeah. I still like I cherish that stuff and I took time to laminate it with tape and shit. But that way I would preserve it for all time. <laughs> so you could wash it. <laughs> joking. But I mean, come on. Like, so aside from giving it to a teacher, I mean, he's he's right up there. He's not he's not too crazy yet. Okay, fine. This is the most sane thing he does in the movie, though. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything wrong. Anyway, in the next scene, we're introduced to Sandy. This is the babysitter character. She's about 24 years old because she says uh, she's twice Jamie's age at one point, and it's established that he's 12. So Sandy is sitting... Hold on, I'm, I'm bad at math. I, I, yeah, okay, 24. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got that right. <laughs> Uh, so Sandy is sitting down with Jamie's mom, and she's getting hired for this babysitting job. But this job is like a big job. She's going to be a live-in babysitter while Jamie's parents go on vacation for a week or two. They just want to get away from that little shit. Like, I'm sure. They they don't care if she's like in school, becoming a psychologist, or you know, fucking meter maid. Like they they just want out of there. <laughs> so Jamie's mom, Miss Benjamin, tells Sandy that Jamie might be difficult to deal with because he's reaching puberty and also 
he has problems communicating with others. Then Sandy says, don't worry, I'm going to college to be a psychologist. I can work one-on-one -on -one or whatever with someone. Yeah, I know exactly how to handle nut jobs like your son. <laughs> yeah, okay, so why is that always the case with psychologists or people who are, like, studying psychology? Like, one, you have to be kind of fucked up to want to go into that field in the first place, right? I don't know. I mean, they seem like normal people. I think it's just an arrogance, though, on her part. She's like, I can handle anyone. I'm going to be a psychologist. Yeah, and then there's that thing, that, that arrogance, as you called it. Like, I see that a lot in people who are in, like, Psych 101, you know? Like, it's not even, like, advanced. It's the introduction class. Yeah, she hasn't even finished her education, and she's like, oh, no problem. Yeah. But uh, Miss Benjamin also tells Sandy that Jamie has imaginary friends, which she points out is normal for kids his age. And I'm thinking at 12 years old, it's really time to like start phasing out your fucking imaginary friends. Yeah, I don't think I ever had an imaginary friend ever. So like, I don't know when the proper cutoff date is, but that's got to be like, what, six? Yeah. Like hit like half his age. There are no imaginary friends. There's no Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're not your real parents. We don't love you. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. That was, that was my own household. <laughs> Collectively on this planet, we live uh, under a guise of like mutually assured destruction where you could be blown up by nukes at any moment. <laughs> and I just scared the crap out of him. So anyway, Mr. Benjamin, Jamie's dad, tells Sandy that his son is just a straight up lunatic. Says he like swinging from trees like naked like Tarzan. <laughs> Seeing him swinging in the trees out back with nothing on except some Superman cape or something playing Tarzan. Well, you know what? If I was his dad, I'd be pissed off too. By the way, his dad is an ugly motherfucker. He's like, he's like Clint Howard and Tim Curry's love child. Like, he's hideous. You're going overboard with his ugliness. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't an attractive guy, but you're like, oh, my God, he's like the elephant man. <laughs> I just thought he looked like an older, sort of fatter booger from Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, yeah, he looked like that. Yeah, you're right. That's that's perfect. Not that I don't love my son, Mr. Riley, I do. But I've never been able to understand an otherwise normal boy who lives entirely in his own head. Anyway, like like you said, he doesn't like his son. I, I think that's why he likes to drag his wife on these long vacations of theirs. He just wants to get the hell away from this demon seed as much as he possibly can. <laughs> Which he can only be mad at himself or his wife. Either way, you know, like, it's not Oh, they good. made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> you can always have more, right? I wouldn't risk it. <laughs> you wouldn't risk it? <laughs> So when Jamie is finally alone with Sandy, the first thing he asks her is if she has a boyfriend. And she says yes. And then Jamie is clearly disappointed. And then he asks her in like this angry fashion, how old is your boyfriend? And Sandy says, well, uh, he isn't really my boyfriend. He's more like a regular friend. Uh, like, wrong no, no, no. answer. You don't backpedal yeah. to this little psycho. <laughs> like you let him know you have a boyfriend and that there is zero chance the two of you will be hooking up together. How old is your boyfriend? Yeah, I don't care if I'm straight. I'm going to pretend that I'm gay or something, like, at the very least to not give this little twerp an idea. Yeah, but this is her first interaction with this kid, Miss Psychologist. Yeah, yeah. Way to go. Way to fail. As I said in my letter, I'm getting through college babysitting exceptional children. Some of them are real terrors. Anyway, now uh, Jamie's kind of happy because he thinks he might get romantically involved with Sandy someday. Yeah, he's got that whole, like, dumb and dumber thing going on. He's like... You're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to his bedroom and he tells his teddy bear the good news. And uh, unfortunately for Sandy, this teddy bear talks back. So that's the level of craziness we're dealing with. Yeah. Here. So he it is revealed that like he's psychotic now. He's like his imaginary friends, as you talked about earlier, which we kind of gave a pass because he's a kid, even though we disagree with that. Um, but yeah, he's clearly talking to the teddy bear. And the teddy bear talks back to him. So, yeah, I'm a little concerned. Like, he definitely needs to be on some sort of medication. Yeah, and this teddy bear, like, seems to encourage Jamie's awful behavior throughout the entire movie. It's like an extremely yeah. bad influence, to say the least. Yeah, and th this this is the good years. You got to think about this, right? So um, schizophrenia doesn't really happen until you're like late teens, early 20s, right? Like that's when full-blown schizophrenia kicks in. I'd be terrified of that. Like 
These are the good years. He's counting down. It's only downhill from here. That's if he has schizophrenia. Oh, he's got everything. (laughs) Yeah, he's got something worse. (laughs) Would you like to know my secret if you promise not to tell? So one night after Jamie is tucked into bed, he overhears a telephone conversation between Sandy and her boyfriend. And Sandy tells her boyfriend that he has a very sexy voice. And that upsets Jamie all over again. Jamie tells Teddy, maybe I should try and impress Sandy by telling her about our secret. And this secret he's talking about is in reference to the pit. It's like this 10 foot by 10 foot hole in the ground out in the middle of the woods somewhere. But it's like more like 30 feet deep, 20 feet deep. Something like that. But it's full of vicious troglodytes. Which are like gorillas. Like, like they, gorilla troll things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like that um, that thing in Dragon Ball Z, that like monkey looking thing. Like he's the good guy with the tail, which I hate that cartoon. I yeah, don't know I, much about it. But it looks like that with a troll with a gorilla and Clint Howard. It's <laughs> joking. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're not attractive. I would say they're uglier than the father, though. Would you agree? <laughs> yes. Okay. Just checking. So uh, Teddy warns Jamie that telling Sandy about the pit might not be such a good idea, but Jamie's dead set on telling her anyway. And of course, he eventually does tell her she doesn't believe him when he does, because, you know, like that story sounds absolutely ridiculous, but we'll discuss that in a little bit later. At the bottom of the hole, down in the dark, there's some things. What kinds of things? They're not people, that's for sure. Uh, The morning of the big secret reveal... Sandy is laying in bed asleep and her entire boob just sort of popped out of her nightgown and Jamie is just quietly staring at it. So when the alarm goes off, Sandy wakes up and she's startled to see Jamie at her bedside. I would be too. And it's, it's like, it's at the foot of the bed on the side. So like he's kneeling, he's like in uh proposed fashion, sort of like he's at eye level with that boob. Yeah, he really is. I'm surprised he's not like a fucking cat and like, is on top of her, staring at her, watching her breathe. Stealing her breath. <laughs> yes, stealing, <laughs> stealing her breath. <laughs> um, so then uh, she sees him and she yells at him. And he says, oh, don't worry. It doesn't matter if I see your boob. It's I'm not a man. I'm a 12-year-old, basically, yeah. is what he tells her. <laughs> man, I should have used that line when I was a kid. I still use that now. <laughs> Who are you kidding? You're not looking at any boob. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It isn't funny, you know. So um, at the breakfast table, Sandy watches Jamie cook bacon and eggs. And she asks him if his mother taught him how to cook. And he says, no, he learned this from various babysitters. And then Sandy says, how many babysitters have you had over the years? And he says, oh, tons, but uh, they never come back after their first visit. (laughs) I don't know why. Big red flag. It's because you're a pervy little weirdo. (laughs) That's why they never come back. You you think like you would have a, a male as a babysitter, right? Like if I was the parents, I'd be like, you know, I don't want to put some innocent little girl like in harm's way. Little girl, she's 24. Well, whatever. Like a, a woman doesn't really matter. Like you would get a guy. Like because, you know, chances are, you know, she's 24, but it's realistic to think that there's a babysitter that's like 16, 17, you know, something like that, right? I don't really think there are many male babysitters, though. No, but I definitely would go out of my way to find one for this fucking kid, though. Like, because he clearly has like a, a sexual thing going on. You can't hide it. I, I'm just saying, like, realistically, wouldn't you get a male Or, like, Sandy is a very attractive girl. Get Get an ugly ugly one. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, they they got purpose, too, you know? Like, see? (laughs) Hire a girl that looks like one of those trogs. (laughs) Mother says we have a problem getting women to come in. You know how it is nowadays. (laughs) Anyway, like I said, Sandy doesn't believe the pit story. uh, And Jamie really doesn't press the issue for the moment. And then you see more scenes of Sandy and Jamie interacting like they go to Sandy's boyfriend's football game because he's like a super cool college football star. Yeah, I guess. And uh, I hate sports. It's so funny to see Jamie watching the game and getting super pissed every time Sandy's boyfriend scores a goal or whatever. Yeah, it's like every time Sandy's like, yay, clapping or whatever. He's like, oh, fuck this shit and throw something on the ground. (laughs) Do you have a boyfriend? 
At one point, Jamie sees Sandy and her boyfriend making out, and so this causes him to cry. He runs into his bedroom and closes the door, and Sandy overhears the blubbering from outside the closed door, and she knocks on Jamie's door and asks him if he's okay, and then Teddy responds, saying, Go away. Yeah, which was really strange because, like, Teddy is Benjamin, you know, Jamie Benjamin. He's, like, playing the voice of Teddy in his head, and so it just has, like, a little echo to it. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, Jamie's voice, uh, they just, he he records his voice in, you know, in the studio, and then they add an echo effect to it, and that's what Teddy sounds yeah. like. So, how the fuck is she hearing that? Like, well, at you this can't point... put that affect on your, on your own voice. Voice, voice, voice. Yeah, maybe that's what he did. Like, maybe, like, I could believe that up to this point. I could believe, like, he slipped into the Teddy persona and that's how he spoke. I just thought it was a slip up on, like, the the people who made the movie. No, because you got to go out of your way to put an echo effect on that and lay that sound down. So it was a conscious decision to do that. Yeah, Yeah, but sometimes they, like, edit things out and then, like, kind of fuck up the timeline or whatever. Like, who knows? No, they're they're more professional than us. (laughs) But anyway, so that's what I figured was going on at that point. I just thought it was kind of creepy and weird, and so did she. She just left as soon as she heard that creepy voice. (laughs) So, like, that brat could cry in there all night (laughs) for all I care. It's at this point in the movie that Sandy gets involved in some psychological super sleuthing she goes to the library to check out some books on problem children, and that's when she bumps into the librarian, Miss Livingstone. And during their short conversation, Sandy says that she's babysitting for the Benjamin household. That's when Miss Livingstone says, Well, I can totally understand why you're researching books on evil demon kids, because that little <laughs> brat's a monster. <laughs> then Miss Livingstone says, I've got something I need to tell you about that kid, Jamie. And then the screen cuts to black, so we don't get to hear the conversation. Yeah, but I I naturally assume that she was telling Sandy about the pornographic stalker note she received from Jamie earlier in the movie. Stalker note. It was just a picture. I don't even think there was any words on it. Are you trying to justify that? (laughs) God, you're fighting me a lot on that. (laughs) In the very next scene, Sandy is nosing around Jamie's room, and she finds a porno mag under his mattress. And she's completely baffled as to why Jamie's apparently uh, maturing sexually, yet he has a teddy bear like he's a fucking baby. So he's all sorts of crazy. And uh, that's completely blown her amateur psychologist mind. She doesn't know what to think. Meanwhile, this is where the movie goes completely off the rails. Sandy shoves the porno mag right back under Jamie's mattress and then leaves the room. Then the camera slowly pans over to Teddy, and Teddy's head fucking moves. Yeah, what the fuck was that all about? So, this talking teddy bear isn't just a part of Jamie's twisted imagination. I guess this thing is a real living creature. I'm calling bullshit. Like, (laughs) I'm gonna say that this is sort of like uh, that episode we did with Magic and Anthony Hopkins, right? Like, there was a scene, there was a couple things that were like questionable and you're watching that fucking puppet like a hawk, right? Mm-hmm. Then like the the teddy bear moves just like that puppet did in magic. So, See, but without getting too much into magic, because if you want to hear that, we discussed that particularly uh, in that episode. Yeah, quite it was a great bit. episode too, by the way, I would check it out. Uh, so I'd go back and listen to that if you want real big details. But the in short, what we said is that the puppet moved its eyes during a scene when Anthony Hopkins is like frantically pacing back and forth and so we just like i assumed like at that point we're kind of seeing through his head yeah his problems yeah and so and so but like you can't say the same here because jamie's nowhere to be seen yeah so this this fucking teddy bear just moved its head for no good reason and it never moves again for the rest of the film yeah i was waiting for like something to happen with that and that was it so like like you got to think like did they cut something out like there was no deleted scenes in this blu-ray you know copy that we got but like still like it it doesn't make sense why why would you introduce anything and not follow up on it for one like that's that's a red flag right there but like two like she didn't see that only the audience saw that teddy bear move his head so like i'm confused now like now we're kind of seeing through jamie's perspective and like how much of that is real and how much of that is like a delusion okay so this movie is so bad it's good i fucking love this movie But this is the moment when that teddy bear moves is the moment when the movie becomes pure schlocky garbage. And there's actually an interview with the screenwriter on the Blu-ray 
who openly says that the director of the film changed his script <laughs> and, ruined and his, turns the yeah. story into what he called like B movie trash or something like that. <laughs> so, um, but he said like both the talking teddy bear and the troglodyte pit monsters were supposed to be figments of Jamie's broken mind. And if that was the case, the movie would have been a legitimately good movie. But the director decided to make some laughably bad supernatural film where just anything goes, where you have monsters and talking teddy bears. And and, and you would say that, like, the number one reason for that, you know, like, we're playing, like, Family Feud, like, number one answer on the board is because you ran out of time. You didn't have enough time to put in all the little bits and pieces. But this movie lets you or forces you rather not lets forces you to rewatch some of the same crap. And it's not like a quick truncated version because you already know what's going to happen. Like they flat out replay minutes like, well, that's of, just, of actual scenes like that was terrible no just one scene over and over again like i'll, I'll get to that later but well, my mean, point being is like he clearly had time to to make like a, a coherent story in this movie no i think he read the original script and he's like oh i get it it's it, like everything's in the kid's mind and the kid's a mental case that sounds okay but i think it'd be more fun if there were real monsters and yeah stuff. i think that's what he was thinking and so that's what he filmed. And that's why the fucking writer is pissed. And rightfully so, because yeah. like, can you imagine if you spent time writing a script, someone buys it and you're all excited to see this thing turn into a movie. And then it's like completely perverted and your name is still attached to it. So people blame you for the movie sucking or whatever. Yeah, But I mean, really, you can only be mad at Ian, the guy who wrote the screenplay, because, you know, then he negotiated a bad contract. Like once you well, sell it, it's gone. That's everyone. I'm just saying, like, that would disappoint me quite a bit. Sure, sure, totally. And I, and, and we're he on the is same. quite bitter, too. Yeah, he is. And we're on the same page because, like, uh, I was just going around it a different way, saying, like, it had to have been the director's idea, thinking he was clever or smart or entertaining or whatever. I don't I don't know. I don't really care. But because the, the idea of, of not having enough time, which is like the number one answer that you would hear most likely, there that's not there. So like he was well, just being a jackass. Yeah, clearly. That, the the runtime on the film was kind of short and he did pad out the that runtime yeah with this one scene in particular you're, you're saying it like you're making it sound better actually because the the problem is you're like uh, they they keep reusing certain scenes over and over again it's like no 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 they use the same kill three times yeah. and that's <laughs> the problem it's like if he did use multiple scenes over and over again it would lessen the blow yeah. but to have to see that one particular part like repeatedly that's what well that's what that, that one nuts. particular part repeatedly is you know a multitude of scenes like you're seeing well, yeah, yeah okay, that's what but I'm it's saying. all one story yeah anyway so sandy sits down with jamie and tries to fix him with some of her awesome psychology skills and she tries talking to him about the importance of friends and jamie says i have friends i've got teddy and i've got the troglodytes i'm doing just fine <laughs> so then sandy pulls a dictionary off the shelf and looks up the word troglodyte then she forces Jamie to read the definition out loud. And I'm not really sure what she thought she'd accomplish here. The, the definition doesn't say that troglodytes are fake or make believe. If anything, it's it kind of proves his point that they exist. Right. And then she said. elected to add that they're fake. It's it, they, yeah, it wasn't in the book. Yeah, Good all point. it says is like they're human like cave dwelling apes. And then she says. They're fables, make-believe, myths. Yeah, by Englishmen or whatever. I can't remember what she said. Yeah. She was like, they, they were meant to uh, scare little kids. And even the kids were smart enough to know it was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I think the trolls are trollogs. Anyway, Sandy sort of gives up on any further psychology for the night and tells Jamie it's time for him to take a bath. And then he says, will you wash my back? And Sandy says, don't you think you're a bit too old for that? Then Jamie says, I'll be all covered up with suds. And Sandy says, okay, I'll wash your back so long as you stay under those suds. Yeah. And then they cut to the bathroom scene and there's virtually no suds in the water. <laughs> you know, what's funny is like, I want to talk about psychology here for a second. Jamie understands like the dilemma happening here, like the issue at hand. And, and he tries to like justify it or calm her, Sandy. By saying, that's okay, I'll just be under the suds. Like, you won't see my erect penis or anything like that, right? So, like, he understands at a psychological level, like, what's going on, and he's clearly taking advantage of the situation. Yeah. In that regard, 
he's fucking smart because like why didn't i do that when i was a kid <laughs> <laughs> tried to score with a lot of older people when you were a well kid. i mean just like you know he he's got enough faculties to know that like hey man like this is the only time i'm gonna get away with garbage like this you know like and so he just takes it you know yeah. as far as he could possibly take it and then some he's like i, I want to get in the tub i want you to wash me in the tub because he wants her to touch his naked body yeah. but then when she's like she protests he's like oh it's okay like i'll be under suds i'm a little kid haha <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah. like he's trying to play both those cards he's constantly walking that tightrope yeah it's like a uh, long time ago when i used to work at uh, taco bell and uh during the day shifts you work with a lot of mentally challenged people like legitimately mentally challenged yeah and then at night shift, you work with teenagers who are basically mentally challenged in a whole different way. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Mar Walmart. I love you. <laughs> so um, the uh, the mentally ch there was one guy mentally challenged on the morning crew. His name was Chip, and um, he had Down syndrome. He he acted like he was really out there, like incapable of doing anything. So we would only give him the most basic of tasks, like go empty the trash cans, things like that. Right, right. Stuff and, you can't fuck up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he would he would play it up like he couldn't do things. But at the same time, he would do things that like you would know like only a smart guy would do to get out of work. So he was playing that long con where like <laughs> he wanted people to think he was extremely dumb and couldn't do his job. That way he could be lazy and just dick around all day. Yeah. And yeah. no one could call him on it because then you look like the world's <laughs> biggest jerk, you know? But we all knew what he was up to. My hero. <laughs> Meanwhile, by the way, watch. Like I'm so jealous of that guy. He's <laughs> fucking living the life. I'm going to work like a chump every day. <laughs> Like, working my ass off. Will you wash my back? We'll be all covered up with suds. All right, as long as you stay under those suds. So anyway, if the lack of suds in the tub wasn't bad enough, while he's being washed, Jamie basically professes his love to Sandy while she's touching him. And uh, this is, like, when we maybe learn why Jamie has the hots for older women. Because he basically implies that his mother molests him. Yeah, so, like, another thing that happened that didn't play through. You know what I mean? Like, just like the teddy bear. You introduce something, and then you don't follow through. You know what I mean? Like, pardon the pun, but it's like, give me blue balls. You know? <laughs> like, it's it's you start something, and then you don't finish it. So, is he, like, really saying that? Like, like you know, I don't know why she thinks I'm so dirty or well, whatever. Well, yeah, this is, this is what happens is Jamie says his mom constantly complains that he's dirty and then washes him excessively in the tub. So I guess like he's really confused sexually because of that. And since his mom is always leaving on long vacation trips with his father, Jamie is, I don't know, maybe looking for a surrogate mother to replace his real one during those absences. Like that's all I yeah. can figure about that. And uh, it's important to note that super psychologist Sandy looks totally alarmed when she hears about this potential molestation story, but then she doesn't bother telling anyone. No authorities, nothing. It's well, just that storyline is dropped. They don't discuss any of that until Psych 102. And so <laughs> <laughs> she's still in the entire, you know, introductory class. Do you know why my mother washes me so much? Washes you so much? Does she do that? Yeah. She really trying to make me clean. I guess so. Here, you finish up and get out on your own, okay? It's funny. I don't always think I'm dirty. Do you like washing me? I couldn't believe that she just let that go. Yeah. She's I like, whoa, that's too weird for me. Yeah, you know, like, okay, so I don't really blame her. Again, I blame, like, the director. Like, maybe there was a scene. Like, I am i don't know why I'm giving this movie. You, like, can't, you can't give a pass to the movie with, like, thinking that maybe there were scenes and then they were cut from the film. All we can do is judge by what we've been given. Yeah. So, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. And it, it really bothered me. Yeah, like, that, that scene went nowhere and it was disturbing. Yeah. Jamie's mental problems aside, the titular pit becomes a much bigger part of the movie from this point forward. Uh, earlier in the film, Jamie learned that the troglodytes are trapped in the pit, 
So he decided uh, it's his job to feed them since they can't escape and gather food on their own. So Jamie originally tried feeding the troglodytes candy bars, but I guess they didn't really like those, even though like they seemed to eat them. They rushed to them and, and chomped them up, but he decided like, oh, they don't like candy. They, I think they like meat instead. Meat from the butcher shop is expensive, though, so he's got to like use all his allowance to buy the first bunch of meat and then he ends up stealing money from sandy's purse to buy even more yeah uh ultimately he decides that like this isn't gonna work i can't just keep doing this i gotta find another source of meat that's essentially free in order to feed these trogs yeah i don't know why he feels like the the necessity to do this because they're the only things that like him and I'm even saying that they don't like him. <laughs> They're yeah. trapped in a pit. They're yeah. a captive audience. <laughs> you know, if he were to fall, like, they would have, like, eaten him, too. Definitely. Like, he has, like, this aquarium or whatever. Like, what do they call it for amphibians? Like, he has a bunch of frogs and a cage, essentially. Yeah. And uh, a fish tank with no water, just lots of humidity. But um, uh, it's it's sort of like that on a much bigger scale. Yeah, and he's um he's constant like he's got toads in there and he's throwing crickets to him and then he's like he throws a snake in there at one point just for fun. Yeah, I guess. so the snake eats the frogs, yeah. He's a very fucked up kid. Oh, come on. Like, that's the most normal thing he's done. Like, playing with snakes in the house? Well, like playing with frogs and insects or whatever. Like, that, that's something a, you expect of a boy to do, right? You know, being dirty and playing with bugs and stuff. Yeah, I guess like back when I was in like, fifth and sixth grade when we go to the playground i used to like capture crickets and then rip off their jumping legs and drop them in on top of ant piles and oh jesus just watch them get eaten alive <laughs> i guess maybe like wow. karma is the reason why my life is so shitty now <laughs> <laughs> because i used to do that that's fucking horrible man yeah, i was a monster they they say that's, that's why how children are terrible <laughs> all of them no, 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 no. There's like people listening to this right now. Like, I've never done anything like oh, that. Get off your high horse, people. <laughs> so much better than me. <laughs> Throw you all in a pit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jamie decides that like the best option for his dilemma is to feed the trogs random pe or not random people, but people from the neighborhood. And so he decides that like he's got to he's going to pick the ones that like he doesn't like the yeah, ones the that bad gave ones. him. Yeah, exactly. The ones that life isn't going to miss. <laughs> well, just like the bullies or whatever, uh, mean old ladies and so on. Assholes who rip off legs off of crickets and watch them get eaten alive. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so um, because this film has been 100% serious up to this point, it's kind of jarring that, I don't know, like there's a comedic tone now during all his murders as he's like shoving people into the pit. Now, it becomes a comedy. Is that the blame of the music? It's the, the music in this movie is fucking terrible. It's a Disney movie, like, soundtrack, totally. It, but even in this part, it, it, it ramps up to, like, Looney Tunes-level music, and then the director is also to blame because he's filming all these shots that, like, in a comedic fashion... You think so? Like, yeah. I thought maybe it was just the music, but, no, like... it's the both of When them. he does get the old lady in the wheelchair or whatever, like... His dialogue, I guess, is a little raunchy and meant to be funny, I guess. But she is flailing her arms around like crazy, and they kind of sped up the film just a touch, it yeah. looks like. So it looks like you're watching Benny Hill. Like, if they would have put fucking yakety sax or whatever that song is yeah, called yeah. over that, yeah. then, then it would have seemed perfectly in place. Yeah, da, 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 da. Yeah, 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 like it was it was a fucking joke. But then after all the deaths, then it goes right back to its dark tone again, where we don't have anything funny anymore. Um, anyway, uh, if you want to talk about any of the specific character deaths, you can. I, I really didn't feel a need to talk about them individually. Yeah, no, totally not. And especially the one that we watched happen three fucking times. <laughs> Just know that he, he lured a lot of people out into the woods through various means. Any means that he could, yeah. All elaborate ruses and then at the last minute tossed him into the hole. Anyway, these monsters, these trog monsters are now just overfed to the max. Because they're like um, an animal that has no self-control. You you throw food in front of it and they will eat it. And he's just been like, he hasn't been portioning out these people. He's been like throwing them in the pit one after the other. Yeah, yeah. All within like the same day. Or, yeah, a couple days. Yeah. 
it is kind of weird that like they have unsatisfiable appetite, you know, sort of like me when you put food in front of me, like I'm just joking. (laughs) Even you know when to stop. I know. know. Yeah. But um, the local neighbors, including the cops, don't seem overly concerned about the massive disappearances happening in town. God, the cops. Yeah, I'll get to them in a minute. But Sandy's boyfriend is one of the first people to disappear. And Sandy doesn't even spend any time searching for him. She just instantly gets herself a new boyfriend. <laughs> well, she is attractive. Oh, I'm sure she's got people lined up. But I mean, like, come <laughs> on, at least show a little bit of compassion, even if it's fake. Like, just fake it for a while. I mean, like, I wonder what a real psychologist would say about her slutty behavior. <laughs> anyway, Jamie ends up talking to Sandy about the pit yet again. And this time she finally decides that she wants to take a look at this thing. So Jamie drags Sandy out into the woods. And then this is when she sees the troglodytes and flips out. She insists that other people need to be told about the existence of these creatures. She wants to expose Jamie's secret to the entire world. In the name of science. I mean, she's got all the right answers. Like, hey, like these things have been alive for, you know, thousands of years or whatever. And uh, she even has to explain to him, like, not these individual ones, but this species, you know, has been around forever for it to be here. You know, like we have to tell someone like they have to learn about this and like study it, you know, make sure that they're they're, you know, on the endangered species list because obviously there's not that many of them. <laughs> I don't know. There's like four of them. But Jamie gets upset. He he doesn't want them exposed at all and they start to argue. Then during this argument, somehow Sandy is like standing next to the edge of the pit and she loses her footing and then she falls in. And... Well, because the dumb bitch decided to take high heels out to a hike <laughs> in, the, in the, the fucking wilderness. Yeah. He told her that it was like a mile away from the house. And then once she gets out into the woods, she's like, oh, maybe I should go back and change yeah it's like shut up no you're already here too late now yeah but anyway she's quickly devoured by troglodytes and then jamie's really sad about the whole ordeal uh he He tries to save her actually he does he feels really really bad yeah because she's caught on a branch and so she doesn't instantly die she's kind of hanging there for a while but uh he can't pull her up and eventually like whatever's hanging on the branch like a piece of her shirt or something rips and she falls down and then the fucking drugs eat her yeah so um Yeah, Teddy is quick to comfort Jamie, telling him that Sandy's death was just an awful accident. And, you know, he tried his best to save her. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, Sandy's death is like the one disappearance that was just, it was too many. It was the straw that broke the camel. Well, because she was hot. No one else was. (laughs) (laughs) So the cops finally decide they need to get involved, I guess. And uh, they question Jamie, trying to find out where Sandy might have disappeared to. But he's purposely vague with his responses because he doesn't want anyone and finding out about his trog pit. Also, uh, Jamie's parents are back from vacation now, and it's not really specified what happened. Like, did they just come back now out of sheer coincidence, or did they cut their vacation short? Who knows? Well, their number one question would have been, where is your babysitter? You think they were calling him every night to check in? No, fuck no. So how would they know that she was gone? No, I think maybe it's just a coincidence that, like, they they showed up. That's how I took it anyways. They showed up because they're done with their vacation, and, like, they didn't even ask they didn't even bother to they're like oh yeah like she ran away just like all the other ones probably like that's that's maybe like the the logical explanation to it but yeah they they weren't phased one bit about her disappearance no they they did read like a newspaper article at dinner time or something and the father's like that's strange oh well (laughs) (laughs) Um, would be the first time one of the babysitters killed themselves after babysitting you yeah So anyway, this is when the movie just becomes basically the cops trying to solve the case of the disappearing townsfolk. And um, I'm going to say it because I say it all the fucking time. (laughs) These cops, I think, are the worst cops ever depicted on film. (laughs) You know what? Like, you do say that too much. But this time, I think it's real. (laughs) I mean, I always think it's real, but this time for sure. You say that too. (laughs) Oh fuck! They, they are they they are like the most inept. Uh, cops always in movies are bad, right? Like they're always inept. They could they could not even tie their own goddamn shoes. They're you know well, they're there's so a fat reason. or something. There's there's always a reason that they're terrible. Well, and the overall reason is that you can't have the cops swoop in and solve your problem. The hero needs to take care of it yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So like it, you you don't want the cops to be um, some source of comfort. 
you know yeah, like but my my solution for that if i was writing a screenplay would be like then don't introduce cop characters period yeah well this is unbelievable then the cops would have been around because <sighs> we would be making fun of that too i don't know i wouldn't write this story this particular <laughs> story how about that anyway uh the uh the police chief himself just outright says he moved to this tiny town because it's quiet and so kicking up any sort of big time investigation will ruin that tranquility yeah so he's just a against solving this case in general. But uh, in the end, the police don't even really solve the case. Like Jamie decides he's done killing people. He tosses a rope into the trog pit. That way they can climb out and feed themselves. And now that the trogs have a taste for human flesh, they just start attacking random townsfolk. And the cops put together a civilian militia to hunt down yeah, the rogue monster. I didn't even notice that. You're absolutely right. It was just normal townsfolk. Yeah, so at the end of the movie, the trogs are all just shot dead by novice hunters. So you can't even credit the cops. Yeah. And then uh, instead of alerting the world to the existence of trogs, the police chief covers everything up. In a mass grave, yeah. Yeah, because uh, I guess he doesn't want, you know, this town to become a major tourist attraction like Loch Ness. Yeah, but I mean, you would at least go down there and get the remains of like the humans that have died, right? Like, No. To say like, yes, the, the girl died down there or, you know, so-and-so else died down there. Like, to gather evidence. No, you just got to, you know... Get bury the trog corpses and the human corpses, fill in the pit with a bulldozer, and let's just call it a day, pretend nothing ever happened. <laughs> it's time to go home and get some quiet time. <laughs> so uh, in the final scene of the film, we see Jamie being dropped off at his grandparents' house, and uh, I guess his parents went on yet another vacation. Yeah, is that what it was? I couldn't figure it out because like there was a line that said like this little girl's like, oh, you're you moved in next door like are you the boy that's moving in so like it's almost like the family is like fuck it like you know he's got a problem we're we're just giving him to you know mom and dad like fuck it we're not gonna deal with this kid anymore give him to the folks and let's get the hell out of here yeah so yeah you you mentioned it jamie meets this friendly little girl neighbor named alicia and alicia lures jamie into some nearby woods where he discovers yet another pit full of trogs so these things are popping up everywhere like fucking tremors and in a surprise twist ending, Alicia tosses Jamie into the pit and he's eaten to death. So, you know, this film has a happy ending. <laughs> a happy in quotes there. <laughs> I was happy to see that kid get his comeuppance. But anyway, uh, I could continue talking about this film for hours, but, uh, you know, this podcast has to end at some point. Uh, but I did want to say there's a ton of stuff that, like, we just didn't get around to talking about. Like, Sandy's ghost comes back to haunt Jamie. So there's that madness on top of trogs and talking teddy bears. Yeah. Like, well, you notice you that it- thrown some fucking aliens in there too while you're at it. <laughs> well, maybe that's what the trogs were. No? <laughs> um, like that was the only ghost that came and saw Jamie was Sandy. So like, again, I thought maybe it was just in his head because he's, he, he loved her or whatever. He, you know, he, he had something for Sandy. So like, that was the reason why it was his conscience or something. I don't know. I, I think that's what the script probably was originally, but who knows at this point, if we got fucking talking teddy bears and stuff, there's no reason for me to not believe yeah. that's a real ghost. Well, when you say originally, like the one that that you know was made into the movie but the original screenplay he was like actual crazy like you said um in the very beginning of this podcast so it's possible that 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 girl the the one who uh alicia that pushed jamie into the, the fucking pit she could have been his like psychological you know manifestation too you know i was thinking about that and she was his conscious committing suicide yeah like something weird why like not that. why not because like She's just as evil as him because she's like he, he, when when Jamie's around the pit and he goes, yeah, they they don't eat candy bars. Um, And she says something maybe like, you know, what, what is that? She's like, mean? I know they eat people. Yeah. And then she she pushes him in the pit. So like he's is just as fucked up as she is. So like I, I kind of took that as like maybe that was supposed to be the same character, but it was all in his head. No, I think kids are just crazy. <laughs> You know, you know what? Note to self. You should never have kids. I won't. <laughs> oh, but like, the, I guess the, the reason that I put so much emphasis into like what was on the cutting room floor was because there's a book on this and I wish I could fucking read it. And you know what? Like, you should go to torturevision.com and donate and like we should have like a whole crowdfunding thing because 
the cheapest book I can get of this is uh, um, it's called Teddy uh, by John Galt, and then the screenwriter's name is like Ian Sword yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like you that. You have to explain it. The the guy Ian wrote the screenplay, yeah, and then uh, he sold that, and then like some guy John Galt or whoever started writing the novelization. Yes, that way the book could come out with the movie, right? And so the book is actually more in league with the original screenplay right. before like teddy bears started becoming real life talking things and right stuff. so like i would love to get that book and read what the original story was supposed to be it's only 183 pages long and it's supposed to be you know quote unquote much darker than it is and like when i read that i was like jesus christ this movie's already dark but uh it's 250 dollars before shipping and handling. Because like only one copy in the world exists or something well, at this there's, point. Well, <laughs> there's actually like three or four copies that are available to purchase as of today online. Wow. And the cheapest one is 250 bucks. I can find an old posting on eBay where the book sold for $125. Now you missed out. And I missed out. <laughs> I did. And, it, and the book came out in 1980 or 1981. I really, really want to read that. And it, it pisses me off that like no one took the time to illegally upload it in a PDF form or no something. No one cares about this story. <laughs> or like the screenplay or something because like I want to read that. You say no one cares, but the book is $250. Bucks. You know, this this um, movie actually does have a large enough cult following i'm yes. kind of surprised that the book just sort of disappeared and but. it's in quotes mass paperback i mean mass like there's got to be more copies of that out there in the world like this film uh, was actually put together in canada even though it was filmed in the united states um like right across the border or whatever but it, i guess it was like all canadian producers or whatever director what i don't know who cares but like i even looked in other countries I got to find a copy of this book. And no, I can't afford like that's more than a buck a page. Like, again, yeah. I'm terrible at math, but I, I can't afford that still. It's nuts. Yeah. Well, maybe someday you'll find one. I, I hope so, it, because but... like I, I want to read the book like it, he is legitimately crazy. Like we we saw in that interview with the guy who wrote the uh, the screenplay, Ian. He's like, yeah, like they fucked up the story because he was supposed to be nuts. The troglodytes or whatever are his figment of the, his imagination, which means like he just threw like bodies in there and they just died of starvation or they something. They maybe died of starvation or died from the fall. From the fall. Yeah. And they're like so far away that they like no one can hear them scream, like all kinds of shit. Like that's that's a fucking fantastic story. I want to like I really want to read that. So yeah. if, if any of you have, have read that, um, please, like, let us know what, what you've learned. And um, just to let you know how fucking batshit crazy this movie is, there's an entire subplot that, like, I didn't even mention because I didn't have enough time, really, to go into big details. But uh, there's a part where Jamie and Teddy conspire to fake a kidnapping just to trick a librarian into flashing her boobs for the camera. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was great. So, like, like he's got the hots for her because, like, we talked about earlier in the podcast like he totally gets uh topless pictures of, of this her. librarian like again it's oh, that's so, so convoluted awesome. but like it's funny <laughs> like for that alone you should just like watch the movie to find out what happened but um yeah like i highly recommend this film like i can totally understand why the original screenwriter hates it but um i still love it because it's like just b-movie nonsense and yeah. it has a lot of replay value yeah he's the only guy ian is the only guy who can like really look at this for what it's what it is the fucking actor sammy snyder's or whatever um he's the guy who plays uh, jamie he like he's like i don't understand why this is a cult following but i i'm glad everyone likes it it's like it's because it's a bad movie like he legitimately thinks it's because it was great um but it's not he's he's fucking terrible no people are laughing at it and people are having fun talking about like is that teddy bear alive is he not like, yeah that kind of shit people enjoy talking about that uh, i do want to bring up that this this whole story the pit is like a vortex of the endless pit of despair because like uh the actors and actresses in this for the most part never did anything afterwards the fucking screenwriter like wrote the script never wrote anything after that he writes books now i looked up uh he's got a uh profile on amazon but it's all like um just instructional stuff right no, no it's stories is it really yeah. oh interesting okay well, i have to check that out 
Um, but like the book ended up going nowhere and like disappeared in the bottomless pit. Like this whole movie is like cursed. Yeah. Um, the only person that really continued in any major capacity was Sandy, the uh, babysitter. She does a lot of voiceover work. She was uh, the voice of like Princess Peach in the Mario cartoons. Yeah. And uh, Jamie, uh, Sammy, the actor, like he did a lot of voiceover work too. And like his voice did sound familiar. And when he said that, I'm like, okay, maybe that. That's why. But I, I don't I can't think of anything. I don't know of anything that he was the voiceover in of. But like he, he said in his interview, he did lots of commercials and stuff like that. Yeah. For Canadian products you've never heard of. Yeah. But anyway, so you like this movie? Yeah. I mean, it was it was great. I mean, it's fucking terrible, <laughs> but it, it is fucking awesome. It's, it's a bad movie that's super easy to watch it like in a Troll 2 sort of Yeah, sense. totally. Totally. Those but are the best kind of bad movies to find. It leaves you wanting more. And that's the worst part is because like anyone who wants to, to get a little bit more, you have to go to the book. Now, they and, had like a The Pit 2 spinoff starring Alicia and she was just killing more people. Oh, I totally watched that. Yeah, Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, but like it's got to be written by Ian and it's got to be like closer. He would never write a fucking <laughs> sequel based on the movie that he hates so much. He was only part of the Blu-ray to tell people how much he hated the fucking movie. <laughs> and how much it was trash. Yeah, but you know what? Like he came back for the Blu-ray because someone wrote him a check. You write him a no, big enough no, check no. and he would have he would have maybe made the second movie. I, I swear to God, like that guy is so angry, bitter and hates. This he movie did so it much. only to say he that he hated it. He would have done it for free. Yeah. Just to put his stamp of disapproval on this film. I guarantee you he would have done that for free. Oh, that's awesome. I bet you you're right. That's cool. <laughs> I love that guy. That guy is a hero. <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right so thanks for listening we'll catch you next time make sure to check us out on torturevision.com or listen to us on itunes we can also be found at facebook.com slash torturevision twitter.com slash torturevision youtube.com slash user slash torturevision tv and instagram.com slash torturevision I will be frank with you, Miss O'Reilly, that there may be crush. He's, well, he's going through that difficult stage, you know. Girls? Yes. Does he have a girlfriend? Well, he has really no friends, boys or girls. His mother, of course. <laughs>